Avalanche beat the Coyotes 3-2. Colorado up 2-0. St. Louis Cardinals will play the White Sox in a doubleheader tomorrow. We are the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to the Full Court Press. 401 your kickoff time here on 106.9 The Fan, 106.9 FM. 1390 AM and 1069thefan.com. Happy to be joining us, or for you to be joining us, however and wherever you are doing so. Hope your Friday has been a good one thus far. A lot to get to in a very little amount of time. I say a little amount of time, it's two hours, but still a lot of content. You got Jazz Basketball, they beat the Spurs. They have their playoffs set up. We'll tell you what time those games are. Uh, it's all, it's pretty much for the majority of it is matinee stuff. So be prepared for that. While you're at work, to uh, tune into 106.9 FM or 1390 AM to catch those games. Uh, and high school football, lights, cameras, action. High school football is now underway officially tonight. 48 games in the state of Utah. The first one last night was the first one in the country. That was Davison Harriman, where Day or Harriman, and where Davis flattened Harriman pretty easily. Tonight we got a load of games, including Region 11 football, non-region play. Uh, we got the streaming for you. We've got the we got. All the coverage for every single school, which, by the way, leads us into our next point. Al Lewis, the Hall of Famer, will be joining us in the 5 o'clock hour to talk Logan Grizzlies football as they, uh, they've they lost some talent. But the coach feels like, hey, this team can still be competitive in this region. Uh, so we'll talk to Al about that and much, much more. Ridgeline plays at 6 o'clock against Pioneer tonight. That is a neutral site game. Uh, and, we'll again, we'll get into all the high school football fan I guess not fan, but information of streaming uh, and how you can listen to those games, opponents, so on and so forth in the 5 o'clock hour. Eric, good evening. Uh, yeah, there we go. And how you can have fun with these games, like picking who you think is going to win. Yeah, hey, so, And we will reward you if you you were the best at it. Unlike the way you've rewarded me for pick six. You haven't rewarded me for you your... You got a donut. I You're had welcome. a perfect sweep, and you've given me nothing. I gave you a donut. That somebody else brought into the office. I called them and gave them my card hmm. to bring in donuts. I don't believe it. Of course you don't. Uh, Eric, how do you do on this Friday? You good? Besides not having a pick six gift, maybe it was the wrong time to ask. Yeah, should we even do pick six today? Because <laughs> we both owe each other. Should we, should we just cancel each other out? No, stop it. Stop it. Don't do that. We'll get to pick six here later in the, actually, probably early 5 o'clock hour, if not later in the 4 o'clock hour. Interest on a perfect bracket. It's just, you know, I was perfect in week one. Oh, my God. Interest is accruing. Give it up. I'm saying. You uh, me. If you want to be a part of the show, you're more than welcome to, and we'd love to have you. 435-339-0321 to text in. Again, 435-339-0321 to text in. Uh, message and data rate apply as per contract to your service. We'd love to have you join on. Uh, you know what we haven't done in a while is roll call. We haven't done roll call in forever, and it, I keep forgetting to do it, and I feel really bad. Roll call is simply, hey, you text in and let us know you're listening. From wherever and however you're listening, let us know where you're listening from. Car, house, work. We'll give your work a, I don't know if we can give your work a shout out. I don't know if that's allowed, but hey. Let us know where you're listening from, that you're listening, and uh, we'll give you a last little shout-out. We appreciate you all tuning in to the show. Uh, good stuff today. Uh, as we wrap up the NBA bubble, what a night it was last night in the NBA, Eric. And we'll, uh, of course, start off with the Utah Jazz, 
who uh, get a nice win over the San Antonio Spurs in a meaningless game, but turned out to be historic loss for the San Antonio Spurs, Eric. Yeah, it's it's too bad. You know, it's a historic program, a great run for Popovich. Oh, and, incredible. And that program and how they've continued to turn things over and still have competitive teams uh, after that great run that they had with Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili. Uh, but, you know, they had some injuries this year. Um, it was an underperforming team. It was a young team. Uh, and, uh, you know, Popovich misses the postseason for the first time, what was it, 23 years? Since 1997. Final score, 118-112. The San Antonio Spurs complete their season with a losing record. 32-39 and is their uh, final, and I guess their away record, quote-unquote, would be 13-24. and Jazz improved to 44-28. and They lock up the 60, which means they get a date with the Denver Nuggets for however many games they can go with the Nuggets. It's, it's going to be a spicy matchup. There's a lot of rivalries in this playoffs coming up. Uh, it's going to be good stuff. Hey, a, a meaningless basketball last night, of course, for the Utah Jazz, but we still saw some good things. Uh, I thought that uh, Jordan Clarkson finally came alive a little bit with his shooting, took good shots, took some awkward ones, but for the most part, what are you laughing at? Uh, just a text that we got in. Oh, shoot. Uh, took some good shots. Uh, Brantley, I thought Gerald Brantley was really, really good. 13 points, 6-13 from the field. He was 0-3 from deep, but he had 6 assists, 4 rebounds, 1 steal. Brantley was one guy who really surprised me off the bench. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. And how much he would run the point. He let off RJ off a suspension early. Oh, jeez. <laughs> five three three eight. You know, I think I know who 5338 is. I'm not going to say the name on air because I'm not allowed to. But I think I know who you are, sir. Is Roger Goodell running? The- Why do I have to be Roger Goodell? What did I do wrong? Suspension. <laughs> Jerk, uh, Erica. But, but you know this. There's been some criticism of the Utah Jazz and how they've looked in the bubble. But and I, I was one of those laying some of that criticism earlier on. But the more I look about it, the more uh, look at it, the more I think about it, the more I examine what's going on with the Jazz. I'm more of the notion that Quinn Snyder is treating the bubble and the three games, the three scrimmages before the bubble as just an, uh, an experiment, a, a test kitchen. I don't even know the right term, but a way to kind of figure out what, what could his team do in these different situations. We know Bojan Bogdanovich is out of the mix. The Jazz are going to need help by from some other players on this squad. So he made the conscious decision, we're going to give our bench and our, our third string, our fourth string guys, we're going to give them a lot of minutes in the bubble. We're going to treat it as player development. We're going to treat it as uh, giving them extra run, extra time, and see how well they do, how well they improve. Because there's going to be times where we're going to need some of these guys for a few minutes in critical games, and they need to feel comfortable coming in to perform in those minutes. Yeah. So with that being said, I think when I look at the body of work, what's happened, and you know, for those who came off the bench and played a lot of minutes, there's really only a, a few guys in that, that that consistently, I think, stood out and because they were somewhat consistent. That's Mie Oni. Uh, I was consistently pleased with how he played and how he looked. 
had 26 minutes, 10 points, 4 of 8 from the field, 2 of 5 from deep. He had 2 assists and 2 boards. And I think Tony Bradley is the other one. Okay. He was pretty consistent in how much extra time and how much extra things that he was able to do night in and night out. Now, there were moments where there were other guys, like Brantley last night looked pretty good. Rajon Tucker looked good last night. But then there's some times where those guys don't look like they know what they're doing on the floor. Uh, I am also was pleased to see Juwan Morgan play so much because he had that injury, and we were worried he may be yeah, done. Yeah. So it was good to see him back out on the court. Yeah, that's a big one. In fact, Coach Snyder made that comment, uh, I think the, the post game that uh, Juwan Morgan got hurt and said, look, a guy like that who has earned the minutes to be on the rotation and then gets hurt, and this is before he knew the prognosis, said that's, that's just unfair. And, and it sucks for them, for their lineup and the rotation. Good, like you said, good to see him come back. 22 minutes, 3 or 4 from the field. He's a, uh, had 6 points, a plus 7 of 3 boards, 1 assist, and 1 steal. Uh, George Niang, not bad. 5 of 10 from the field. He was 3 of 8 from deep. Uh, plus 13 on 13 points, 2 assists, 5 boards, no steals. You know, somebody else that I was really pleased with until he got hurt was Ed Davis. Dude. He was playing. Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, Ed Davis is... Something is turned on. That's the guy who we went and got. Yeah. <laughs> the light bulb is flicked, is turned on, and he's he looks like he was this is the Ed Davis we always wanted. And then he hurt his knee. Uh 118, 112 Jazz win. They now get the uh, Denver Nuggets in a three versus six game. Of course, the Denver Nuggets will be the three seed. Jazz will be the six seed. We'll get to those times of those games here in just a moment. I want to go to the San Antonio Spurs really quickly because what we have witnessed is historic. Eric. 22 consecutive playoff appearances. 22. 1997 is the last time that they didn't make the playoffs. So it, it tied the Philadelphia 76ers for, the, for franchise uh, longest in NBA history of consecutive playoff appearances. Um, but the last time that they didn't make the playoffs was this. David Stern wasn't even halfway through his 30-year run as a commissioner. The Charlotte Bobcats, who are now the Hornets, were still six and a half years from becoming the Bobcats, and Pat Riley was still coaching the Miami Heat. Well, speaking of Pat Riley, I saw something last night that is 1981. It hasn't been since 1981 that either Pat Riley or Greg Popovich have been in the postseason. <laughs> oh, That's insane. Man. That's just uh, insane. Uh, and the Spurs five championships during that whole 22 consecutive years, 284 postseason games over the years. Uh, only franchises uh, within 100 of that were the Lakers, who are at 218, Miami at 196, and Boston at 192. The 170 playoff games uh, for the Spurs, or excuse me, the Spurs won 170 playoff games in that span of 284 games. Dude, that's nuts. And only seven franchises in the NBA have more playoff wins in their entire history. And by the way, all 170 wins came under Popovich. Yeah, he's, he's definitely incredible. had a great run. He's, a, he's an incredible coach. I, I don't really care for his interview antics. I, I think, think he's gotten better with that, by the way. Uh, I feel like he's lightened up a little bit more. Maybe. But I also think that's kind of like... Uh, partnered into the fact that he's the USA coach now and he knows he's got to be the nice guy because he represents Team USA as the head coach and he doesn't want to have that bad look 
coming from the rest of the world that he's this egotistical, arrogant jerk. And I think he's kind of lightened up. I mean, I don't fault him for trying to push reporters for asking intelligent questions because too many reporters out there just get lazy. Like, oh uh, yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about this guy. How are you supposed to answer that legitimately? <laughs> I mean, we can all kind of understand what they're really trying to get at, but ask it a Ask an intelligent question. And Popovich uh, was famous for not letting reporters off the hook for things like that. But he sometimes took it too far. But uh, nonetheless, incredible basketball mind, great coach. Um, Some of his former players are now coaches, successful coaches. Mm -hmm. People who have been on his staff are current very successful coaches. So he's uh, had had a very long... Um, success uh, of uh, not just coaching the game, but creating great winners in other aspects. So, yeah, it's going to be different not having Popovich on the sidelines. But at the same time, I think through the bubble, we got treated to a really fun race for those final spots in the playoff hunt. Uh, I know a lot of people were pulling for Phoenix and Portland because they seem to be the most fun trying to get that uh, 8-9 position. Uh, But you have to recognize and give give some uh, credit to to Memphis for what they were able to do for the vast majority of the regular season to earn that right to still be there. Yeah, even though they did kind of lay an egg in the bubble, they uh, they still did what they needed to do to still advance. Uh, Utah Jazz will begin the playoffs on Monday versus Denver. The first game will be on ESPN. It is at eleven thirty a.m. So again, if you're at work or in Wherever, at lunch, you're going to be having to listen to the game here on this very station, 106 NFM, 1390 AM. The game will not be streaming on the internet. By the way, we will not be streaming playoff games on the internet, for those who are asking. That game, again, game one will be at 1130 AM on Monday, August 17th. Then, it's every other day from there. So, Wednesday, August 19th, Utah Jazz, Denver will be at 2 o'clock. And then, Friday will be same time, again, 2 o'clock. Uh, and then Sunday will be a 7 o'clock game, and then if necessary games uh, will be Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday one more time. That will be game 7. Those games are to be determined on their time, so we will not be sure yet. Uh, Eric, Denver Nuggets, Utah Jazz, this has been a rivalry since 1994. Remember when the Utah Jazz and the Cinderella Nuggets went at it? The Utah Jazz had a two games, no, excuse me, Three games to none lead. Nearly blew the series thanks to Ronnie Rogers and uh, Robert Pack. That throws you back a little bit. Jazz ended up winning that series, lost in seven to the Sonics. And then from then on forth, it really has been. And it finally kind of renewed it or had a rebirth in 2008. Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony. J.R. Smith, Kenyon Martin, Chris Anderson. Oh, yeah. And that was a just, that was a physical beat you up last man standing battle. Do you think we see something similar? Here in these playoffs, or is this a different time, different era? I think it's a different time and a different era. I I respect these Denver Nuggets. I did not respect those Carmelo Anthony, J.R. Smith Denver Nuggets. Oh, I hated I those, those guys. series. I hated those guys. Who did you I hate just more? Thought than- that, I thought they were punks. I thought they played with a lot of attitude and uh, gravitas. Is that the right term? Um, and it just seemed like uh, <laughs> they were uh, definitely a new era of basketball player. Um, but this this Denver Nuggets team, I respect them. I don't, I, there's no knuckleheads. I don't think on this team that I that I see. I respect their coach. 
I think it's a good program. It's a good team. I think it'll be a well-fought battle between really two really good teams that I think are matched up pretty evenly. If Boyan Bogdanovich was in the mix, I'd really feel good about the Jazz. The way Michael Porter Jr. has been playing, I don't oh, think the Jazz have world. an answer for him. Hey, really quickly, before I continue back with Denver and Utah, who did you hate more in like 07, 08? Houston or Denver? 07, 08. Who was a part of that? So Denver, Tracy McGrady, team. Yao Ming. Uh, God, oh, who was our guard? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I probably I probably detested Denver more. But I didn't have anything against Yao Ming. Was it just the antics? Yeah, I think Tracy McGrady, you know, can't, you know, is it Duran? Is it Darren? How do you pronounce his name? <laughs> you know, that that just fueled uh, Darren Williams to to uh, to really go after him and send them home. But um, uh, it was probably the uh, the Denver Nuggets that I disliked more. Yeah, absolutely. And J.R. Smith annoyed me to no end. And I remember Chris Anderson. Do you remember the play uh, where uh, the game was pretty much over? It was like maybe eight seconds left. Um, I want to say it was Ty Lawson dribbling the ball down court, and Chris Anderson sets a really unnecessary screen on Darren and pretty much checks him, and Darren hurts his wrist. And this is in the this is in the closeout game. So Darren goes into the Lakers series with a hurt wrist because Chris Anderson put the cheap shot on him. It's just a really dumb screen oh, that right. didn't need to set. Darren's and wrist was never really that's the same. That's exactly after. right. His scoring went way down after that in that Lakers series. Uh, really quickly, other games to note last night. Washington beat Boston in a meaningless game, 96-90. Lakers lose to Kings, 136-122. Uh, Milwaukee falls to Memphis, 119-106. Again, all these games were meaningless. Phoenix, how about Phoenix, 128-102. And then had to sweat it out because of Portland and Brooklyn winning a final score of 134-133 to where uh, Damian Logo Lillard oh in 44 gosh. minutes, 13-22 from the field. He was 8-14 from the arc. 42 points, 12 assists, 3 boards, and by the way, he was still a minus 1. More in part to the fact that in the final 7.5 minutes, thanks to Skip Bayless, who noted this about 50 billion times, Damian Lillard didn't score, or excuse me, scored 3 points in the final 7.5 minutes, and Portland still found a way to win 134-133 over the Brooklyn Nets, so it eliminated Phoenix, who was 8-0 and in the bubble. But someone brought up a great point, Eric. People forgot how just bad Phoenix was in the regular season. They sucked. They and, were not a good team. And then all of a sudden they come to the bubble and things just click. But it's too late. Yeah. So they didn't get robbed. I'm sick of people saying they got robbed. They didn't. No, yeah. I'm glad that there was still um, consideration for the whole rest of the season. Because this isn't an eight-game season. Yeah. This is a, an addition to the regular season. We have People have to keep that in mind. So uh, even though Memphis wasn't the, the best in the bubble... They still did enough to uh, to get where they where they belong. Now, are they going to beat Portland on Saturday? I don't know. Probably not. But uh, the way Portland's been playing lately, but who knows? And so the way that it works, if if uh, because Portland has the eight seed now, Memphis drops to nine. If Memphis beats Portland on Saturday, there will be another game on Sunday. Same two teams will face each other, and then whomever wins that game advances. Yeah, so I, I so don't s- Memphis needs to win two games. Portland needs to win one. I don't see Memphis beating Portland. I think Damian Lillard's on this, you don't respect me, so I'm, you're going to have to fear me, tear. 
I mean, what he's done in the bubble alone is just stupid crazy. In fact, I want to get into the bubble awards that are going to be coming out here, uh, I believe, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they're going to have a bubble MVP, Probably, there's games today. bubble coach of the year, bubble rookie, all that kind of garbage. I say garbage because it's really just a bubble. Um, but, again, I thought Damian Lillard has been fantastic. He is my bubble, quote-unquote, MVP. Devin, as good as Devin Booker was, Damian Lillard won games that they were supposed to win. In clutch moments, I mean, the, the shot he took from the logo was just, come on. Like, Steph Curry is the only other player in the league that should be taking that shot, and it's a good shot. Booker had one that wasn't too far off yeah, of there. but that's true. But you bring up an interesting point with Steph Curry. Uh, the way that that Damian Lillard is playing, it, people, I mean, I've forgotten about Steph Curry. Yeah. Watching him and the way he just makes it look, he just walks up and very casually just launches it from midcourt and then right down the pipe. And... It's like, why is everybody going gaga over Steph Curry when look what Damian Lillard's doing? <laughs> and uh, Devin Booker. I mean, it's not just one guy anymore that's doing that kind of stuff. That's a great point. Again, the winner of that Memphis-Portland uh, play-in series will get the Lakers. Congratulations. There's your reward. 7 o'clock on Tuesday night will be the first game of that. Uh, here's the other first-round scheduled matchups for the playoffs. Again, Utah-Denver is a 6-3 matchup. Brooklyn and Toronto are uh, a matchup as well. Brooklyn finishes 7th in the Eastern Conference. Toronto is number 2 in, in the Eastern Conference. Philadelphia and Boston should be an absolute grinder of a dogfight. Uh, Boston a 3-seed. Philadelphia is a 6-seed. Uh, ben Simmons and Jill Embiid are questionable to return for Game 1. They're hoping to have him back by the middle of the series. Uh, and then Dallas and the Clippers. I like this series a lot. Uh, Clippers are going to be a two seed, and Dallas is a dangerous seventh seed. So let me ask you, Eric, who do you fear more as a higher seeded team? Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers or Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks? Damian Lillard. Uh, I just don't think that that the Lakers have anyone that can contend with uh, with Damian Lillard. I, I think that the the Clippers have more of a structure that can contend with Luka Doncic. I, I think they've got the players and the depth to be there to, to slow him down and to counter him. The Lakers don't have anything like that. You know, it's interesting. I still think when you have LeBron James on that team, it just, you look to the other side of the court and you see LeBron James and you think, it's almost like looking at Michael Jordan, right? In playoff mode. It's it's It terrifies you. I don't feel like the Clippers have anybody like that on their team. Not Kawhi Leonard, not Paul George. They're defensively incredibly good. When they've got Williams, Beverly, and Montrez Harrell, they're defensively as sound, especially on the perimeter, as any other team in the whole entire league. Nobody really terrifies me, though. Not like LeBron James. And if when you have uh, Luka and Chris Porzingis on their side, sure, you don't have the bench depth at all. But if you can keep, if Luka can keep these guys in the game, if you can utilize guys um, like KP, they could be very, very dangerous, and they could push this thing to seven. That's and, and that kind of where you where you look at it is is how far can these teams push these higher seeded squads on a neutral court? Again, there is no home court advantage here; it is neutral court. So for a higher seed team, you don't get the fans and the rock, you know, the raw raw and just the raucous crowds. It's just blank. It's empty seats, and that's got to be different, and that's got to be almost more confident for a road team, quote-unquote road team, or a lower-seeded team, to go out there and play with some confidence. 
So Dallas and and the Clippers, they've played each other three times during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, Dallas, or excuse me, Clippers won all three. By the way, okay. Uh, Clippers won by like fifteen. Uh, Clippers won by only like three or four, and then the Clippers won by fifteen. So Clippers have played well against these guys, and Kawhi Leonard in those games has scored a lot of points. Uh, twenty nine points, thirty six points, twenty eight points. So. Kawhi Leonard doesn't mind playing the Dallas Mavericks. What was the uh, Clippers, not Lakers, Portland? Because if I remember right, Lakers blew them out for two of those games. If I'm not uh, for their regular regular season, yes, yes. Yeah, give me a second. Uh, with that, really quickly, I'll go back to the schedule. Orlando is the eighth seed. They get Milwaukee. Miami and Indiana are, I believe, the 4-5 matchup. They are. So they'll play on Tuesday as well. Oklahoma City and Houston. Russell Westbrook versus his old team. Russell Westbrook will not be available until at least Game 3. They're hoping by Game 3 that the Rockets can have their point guard back. Uh, so it'll be Chris Paul versus the Houston Rockets. That's that's a matchup I'm looking forward to. And then again, Utah and Denver, Brooklyn, Toronto, Philadelphia, Boston, Dallas Clippers will be on Every other day. So that's kind of your rotation you're going to get for the playoffs. Okay, so they played Portland uh, three times Yep. in the regular season. A win by 23 points. Yep. A win by eight points. And then a loss. It was 127 to 119 for Portland. So mm-hmm. they've been they've been kind of close, except for that first one, which was a blowout. I, I would love to see, I would love to see Damian Lillard go off in this in this series. The problem that scares me the most is CJ McCollum is not 100% healthy. He's still doing with, uh, I believe it's some back issues, and so he hasn't looked entirely great. But his defensive presence has been monstrous for Portland. Really, really good in the backcourt. And again, as you mentioned, they don't really have a backcourt right now, does LA. So I, I give the backcourt nod to the Portland Trailblazers, but in the end, it's LeBron James. It's, it's freaking LeBron James. And that alone should scare any team in this bubble. I mean, yeah, I mean, certainly he's got the track record of making it to the finals. I mean, every time this guy plays, he's, you know, the playoffs, he's uh, getting to the finals, it seems like. Um, But I think that Nurkic and Whiteside, I think they provide some some, uh, height and some strength in the the post. Uh, I think Carmelo Anthony doesn't provide any defense, but he provides uh, another scoring option. I just think that this uh, Gary Trent Jr. has had some great moments for for Portland. Uh, I think it'll be a really interesting matchup. Uh, but the real question is, who will have the depth? Will Portland decide to try to play any defense, or are they just going to flat out try to outscore you? Because they haven't really played very great defense in the bubble. And so uh, do they have enough firepower to stay with, with the Lakers? Uh, by the way, a couple of casualties in regards of office. Positions: uh, Jim Boylan, former Utah Utes head coach for basketball, then went to Chicago Bulls, has been let go. He should have been let go a long time yeah, ago. That, Probably wasn't the right hire in the get-go. That, that guy's weird. And then uh, GM, <laughs> What he was asking his players to do. Oh, dude, it was nuts. It's just crazy. Sacramento Kings GM, Vlade Divac. We all remember Vlade Divac back in the day. Oh, yeah. Has uh, officially announced that he's stepping down from his post as a GM uh, after the uh, playoffs drought is continuing now to 14 years uh, Kings advisor Joe Dumars takes over the front office on an interim basis. Boy, you know, and the thing is, is that that Kings team had so much young talent 
I don't know what's going on. Well, 14 years of missing the playoffs, you're going to get a lot of great draft picks. Yeah. You're going to have chances to get some great people. Yeah. But they keep missing on 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 talent. They can't keep talent if they get any. Uh they're, you know, they're wildly inconsistent with their coaching. So, it's a it's a real mess in Sacramento and has been for a long time. Let's get to some scores really quickly. Indiana right now leads Miami 105 to 88. But even bigger news in the story is where Miami's Derek Jones Jr. has now been carted off with a stretcher after colliding in a screen, uh, and he just he just fell awkwardly and he fell hard to the floor, kept grabbing his neck, and then he was motionless there for about ten minutes where he didn't move. Uh, again, they got him on a stretcher and they've carried him off. Uh, prognosis and uh, results will be determined later on, uh, well after the game, maybe even in tomorrow. Denver falls to Toronto 117-109. Tonight's games are the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Clippers on ESPN at 4.30. So coming up here in just a couple minutes. And then 7 o'clock on ESPN, Philadelphia versus Houston. Expect to see scrubs in both those games. All right, coming back, we'll get to more some news and notes, including Eric. I want to get your reaction to the re- reaction from other commissioners of, uh, and I guess, ADs. That have decided to take the season off for fall football. And they still see the Big 12, SEC, and ACC play football. And when they're asked about why is it that you guys, what are you guys seeing compared to what those conferences are seeing that say they can play football? You read me an interesting quote yesterday. I believe it was from Oklahoma State. And the answer was actually pretty telling and quite funny, if you remember what I'm talking about. Oh, it was Oregon State. Oregon State. Excuse me, not Oklahoma State. I guess that would have been Big 12 they've been playing. Uh, so we'll get into that and more coming up on the Full Court Press. 106.9 The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. A reminder that A1 Automotive and Performance reminds you to extend the life of your vehicle with regular preventive maintenance. Visit them at their new location at 1065 West, 600 North in Logan. You can call them at 752-9636. Appreciate A1 Automotive being a part of the full court press here on 106 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan, Eric France and Andre Salveson, we get you ready for a Friday Night Lights. That's right. High school football opens up tonight. 48 games across the Strait of Utah. Uh, the first one happened last night with Davis and Harriman. That was actually the first high school game in the country, uh, reports said. So uh, pretty cool to have Utah be the representation of that. Uh, all six goals in Region 11 are playing tonight. We'll have all the info, the deets on who they're playing and how you can listen and a really fun game that we've got uh, that you can all participate in uh, to win some really cool prizes as well. That's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. Al Lewis, we hope, will join us in the 5 o'clock hour to talk about Logan Grizzly football. New start for them, practically, with the loss of so many starters, and including the quarterback. So where do they fall, um, or what does impact uh, can they have now on Region 11? Yeah, Coach Bowen in his second year uh, there, you know, what kind of changes is he is he making um, yeah, it, with, the, with the, the roster or style of play, you know, things like that. So, yeah, uh, we hope we can connect with Al. We talked earlier in the week. <laughs> Uh, He's a busy guy. Yeah, we're having trouble connecting on exactly the time, so Eric, stay tuned. Eric, let's go back to last week. Uh, the Big Ten had released its schedule. The SEC revealed its crossover games, right? 
Uh, there was memes coming out making fun of Missouri, making fun of Arkansas, making fun of Alabama because they had a soft schedule. Uh, UConn had already canceled its season, and the MAC on Saturday, on August 7th, would then follow. But for the most part, last week it was a good week for college football, even including for us in the Mountain West Conference or here in Aggie Nation. And all of a sudden, on Saturday, August 7th, everything went to crap. They did all start with the MAC early Saturday morning, I believe, and uh, where they announced that they would not have any fall football in the fall. After the MAC announced that, then all of a sudden, all sorts of tweets and reports came out that said the Big Ten would meet together and most likely do the exact same thing. Then the reports that the Pac-12 would follow that. The question for us in Utah was when would the Mountain West Conference decide what they wanted to do? They were pretty quiet for the most part throughout the whole entire process. Then came Sunday. I believe it was Sunday on August 9th. Uh, or was it Monday? I can't remember which day it was. It all is a blur now. Uh, where they announced that they would not have any fall sports. Eric, when you go back to this, how far back did you realize that we would not have fall football? Because you seem pretty, I'm not going to say confident, but you just had that feeling that there's going to be no football this fall. Uh, my first inclinations that we would not have fall football happened when players were starting to report to schools for strength and conditioning. And we'd see these different reports at different schools. Uh, you know, six positive tests at University of Texas, uh, 10 positive cases at Missouri. Uh, and these were all over the place, different schools. You know, these different, uh, a couple of reporters were doing a really good job of getting the information. And uh, Brett McMurphy, especially, would try to figure out and get a report, a legitimate report from the schools uh, as you're having how many, pl- how many players were tested and how many tested positive. Uh, Gary Anderson was asked that and he kind of danced around it, wouldn't give a specific number. Uh, and that, that's not necessarily a criticism, it's just. When these players are starting to report for for uh, strength and conditioning before they even camp got started, is when we started to see these numbers going up. So those players have to get isolated. Anybody that they were in contact with had to get isolated. And just when I was seeing that and thinking, how are you going to run a regular fall camp, practices, contact, travel, and all of that? I just that's when it was first gave me the thought that I, I don't see fall football happening. I was hoping that I was wrong. I still tried to be optimistic that maybe they can still find ways to isolate and, and still find ways around it. But as we're finding out, some conferences, some schools just flat out do not feel comfortable and feel like there's a confident, a confident enough confidence to move forward with it. But what's so still baffling about this is you have some states like Iowa, where you've got one school that can play and another school that can't. Go to Pennsylvania, same thing. Pitt can play, but Penn State can't. You know, <laughs> so if if the situation is as it is in, in any given state, with a very you know determining the number of positive cases, or is it going up? Is it plateauing? Is it going down? But we have such wildly different opinions in different conferences about how to move forward and how to play football. That's what's so frustrating and mind-boggling with this. Another thing that's been really frustrating is for uh, a lot of, uh, many 
P5 conference coaches, and I'm sure G5 conference coaches, feel like nobody was on the same page in the Power 5 conference especially. Like, you look at the SEC, the Big 12, Eric, and the ACC all said, you know what, we are going to push forward and we are going to play. We trust our medical professionals. Yep. What did your medical professionals tell you? Uh, we're just not going to get into that. We just we feel comfortable. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, Pac-12, what about you guys? Yes, we trust our medical professionals. This is who they are. This is what they said. This is how often we're going to test. Oh, how often are you going to test in the SEC? Yeah, we're going to test. <laughs> but not to the same amount the as best. they were going to do with the Pac-12. It just it blows my mind. Uh, I'd love to hear from our, our wonderful listeners, uh, 435-339-0321, to text in uh, about your thoughts on college football being canceled. I know you guys discussed this last Monday, last Tuesday, last Wednesday. Like The conversation has not stopped. In fact, it's even picked up more so than before. But with the SEC and the ACC confirming that they're going to play, in fact, the ACC put out a statement, I believe, two days ago saying we are still absolutely going to push forward and try to have try our best to have a season. Eric, my question to you do those three conferences finish the football season? I'm highly doubtful. I always I always felt like college football would start, but I didn't think it would finish. And so and I always felt like it's it's probably better to try to get as many games in as you can because there may be a delay in the fall and there's still still significant uncertainty about what might happen in the spring as you're in the regular flu season. Regardless of COVID, so uh, because of, <laughs> I always felt like it it would be better to try to get as many games in as you could before things start to get shut down. But I don't know. You know, I, we talked about this the other day. You know, Colin Coward said uh, and there's now been four conferences that have decided to to uh, postpone college football to the spring. Uh, other conferences will too. They just don't know it yet. And I think, I think that's probably going to be the case. I, th- I think that they're doing a pretty good job in some of these places of monitoring and, and keeping people in, in their own little isolated bubble, as you will, on campus. But the large student body is not there. You haven't traveled to any games yet. Uh, Brett McMurphy just talked about him uh, and how he's reporting on, on tests. Uh, Syracuse AD John Wood, uh, Wildhack. Uh, says that the school has conducted more than 1,200 COVID tests of student-athletes. They've only had five positive tests, and they have had no positive tests in the last four weeks. Wow. Well, that's great. I mean, that's a great success story. Notre Dame has said some really similar things. But I think when you start to look at when you start to introduce more people into that community, more people onto that campus, and then you're going to start to travel, I think that's where some of these other conferences just felt like you know, our level, our comfort level with this risk just isn't there. Which, out of the P5 conferences, which one were you surprised to hear the most that they would continue their season? ACC. Fair enough. You didn't even hesitate on that either. No. Just, they have a, the, the SEC and the Big 12 seem to have more of a track record of, hey, we don't care. We're going to play sport. Sports, that's a big deal, you know. It's, uh, it's the moneymaker. It's what we live for. That's our religion. Um, ACC has some institutions that are very high academic institutions within that conference. So I would have suspected the ACC would have gone the way of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. So I was a little surprised with that one. 
Uh, where does football go from here? I mean, because they talked about some conferences have talked about a spring season, but Eric, that just can't happen, right? Like there is no possible way, feasible way, and in regards of player safety, especially that we can have a spring season and turn around four or five months later and have a fall season, right? Or am I, I think moving it, too cautious? Feasible, um, probably not. I mean, is it probable? Is it possible? Yes. Is it ideal? Absolutely not. But do you just have a full year just gone? Or do you still try to find a way to give these players opportunities? And if there's a lot of other conferences that are going to be in the same boat as you, maybe there's still some chance to play not only your conference, but maybe play some out-of-conference games still. It's going to be wildly different, but maybe there's still a chance. Um but the the effects that it has on the on the body of the player, I think the spring games could go through, and you're probably you, you you're going to always have injuries when you play the, the sport of football. But I would imagine if you were to do the spring, you may get your normal injuries that happen in the course of a season. But when you get to the fall, you're probably going to see even more injuries, more players get hurt, um, and that's that's the real question: is how do coaches manage their rosters? And uh, and try to keep their kids healthy. Uh, let's hear from President Mark Emmert uh, just about the situation. Uh, well, let's start with this. There'll be no championships, by the way, except for FBS football. We'll start with that first. We can't in any Division One uh, NCAA championship sport now, which is everything other than FBS football that goes on in the fall. So, sadly, tragically. That's going to be the case this fall, you know, full stop. So that that's a big thing for me is that the FBS football is going to have a championship season. Hey, so color me as ignorant because I don't understand. How come fall championships can't happen except for football? What am I missing here? Well, because a lot of those other sports are being canceled uh, or postponed or there's just not enough other teams uh, available to to oh, okay. participate. I because I honestly didn't understand why we couldn't have fall championships, except we could have football championship. I, well, I, part of it too is because the NCAA has allowed another entity to determine, determine who their champion the championship is. is. Huh? That's right. a good. I didn't think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, they've they've sat by and let another mechanism determine who their champion is. Uh, let's go ahead and go back to Mark Emmer on winter and spring sports. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't and can't turn toward winter and spring and say, okay, how can we create a legitimate championship for all those students? My staff's been working hard on it, been talking to a lot of commissioners, all the commissioners, all 32 of them in D1, and and there are ways to do this. I'm completely confident that we can figure this out. If schools and conferences want to move forward, and try and have, and, and more than half of them want to do it, and that's surely the indication right now, then let's do it. Let's do what he says. But you got to have a plan, right? You can't just say, let's go, let's do this. I feel like they could have put a plan together before fall football. They didn't. They twiddled their thumbs. And now if they want to put a spring season together, they can, but they got to put a plan together. Yeah, these these teams from these conferences who have already been told that they will not be playing football in the fall, they're just so much uncertainty. They don't know and what, what's going to happen. And these are programs. Utah State's trying to put together their own schedule 
how they want to still keep their guys active and engaged and, and doing things. But what does that really mean in preparation for an, a, a, a potential upcoming season? Mm-hmm. So the just the, the leadership has been really, really lacking. I want to go to one of the texts, 9315 texted and says, just think if they had someone that ran the whole thing, decisions would be easier. I am sure there will be no spring football. I feel if we had been on the same page clear back in March, everyone could have been playing football in the fall. Get your acts together, college athletics, higher ups, peeps, if I know who they are. I think everybody has that exact same message in the bottom two lines. Get your act together already. You're supposed to be, this is a chance for the leadership to show in the NCAA athletics, like, hey, we can take charts, we can handle the situation, and still push forward with a plan. None of that happened, and here we are standing where a couple P5 conferences are playing, but not all of them, and some of them are upset, including the Big Ten. Uh, 2776 text in, in as well. Uh, he actually mentioned the same thing you did. He said it's because the NCAA doesn't run the championship. Dang it, Eric, you beat me to it. That's all right. <laughs> Thanks for texting in. Uh I, see, I didn't think about that. The NCAA doesn't run the football Division One football playoff championship. Yeah, they don't determine. They do not determine a championship. But they're in charge of Division Two and Three, right? Like they run that stuff. That's all NCAA. Yep. Okay, just want to make sure I had that yep. correct and fool myself. All right. Uh, and then finally, from uh, Mister uh, Emmert, he talks about the winter and spring championships. Have to occur, Andy, and, there, and there's one that's really, really important. We have to give highest priority to the winter and spring sports because they lost their championship last March. We made that horrible, awful, but necessary choice to shut down. Didn't have Frozen Four, didn't have Final Fours, didn't have World Series and softball and baseball or track championships, lacrosse. We we lost all of that. We got to say, first and foremost, we're going to protect those spaces. Okay, so I got to ask you this question based on the fact of almost arrogance. But how much is he saying we have to have the winter and spring championships? How percentage-wise based on because the income that we receive from the NCAA from the Final Four championship, the NCAA March Madness tournament, and how much is it based on, well, yeah, we didn't have a championship last year, so we got to make sure we have one this year (laughs) even it out. I would probably say 70-30 about the money. Fair Uh, enough. Because... Look, the, the NCAA does control the championship and does get the money for the uh, men's tournament and how that is operated and how they choose a, a champion there. Um, and the Frozen Fours, they, you know, that's a that's a money generator for the NCAA as well. So I think those are those are big keys. But I don't think you can say it's all that because I think there is some definite concerns that we had a lot of athletes who not only had their championships taken away. There were some that had their entire seasons taken away. That's true. And to have that happen two years in a row, man, that's really, really hard. Just, I feel awful for anybody in those types of programs. So, um, I, if there's a way to do it, maybe there's a way to create more of a, a, a bubble. I guess uh, Emmert was now kind of interested in something like that for the NCAA men's tournament, and I guess women's tournament as well. Um, after seeing how it's worked so well for the NBA. Uh, it's not as fun not having the fans there and the student bodies and the pep bands and all that stuff, but <laughs> but if there's a way to still do it as opposed to not having it done, certainly that's something that needs to be looked at. Brett McMurphy has now just tweeted out that Ohio Valley Conference 
postpones fall sports to spring. However, football programs are allowed to compete in up to four non-conference games in the fall. Uh, really quickly, Eric, the four non-conference games, the non-conference play, Air Force will be participating in that as well to play Army, to play Navy as part of that academy service uh, little rivalry they get, that which is really cool to see. I, I've, I've always enjoyed those. Um, do you like that idea? I mean, get three at least three games in. I mean, just non-conference play, but you get to play three games. I don't know. I mean, I questioned that as well. Could could a school in the Mountain West say, okay, the conference schedule is canceled, but could we still go out there and schedule just a bunch of uh, non-conference games? But I think that's what uh, Nebraska was trying to do. But then their uh, commissioner and their conference said, hey, look, it, we're still going to do conference games. We're still planning on having a conference. It hasn't been canceled. It's been postponed. Mm-hmm. So there's still a chance we could play games. I think with the service academies, you know, they're staying in shape regularly. They yeah. have physical training on a regular basis, unlike any other institution. So it's not quite like you need to get everybody on campus and work them out for two months before they're ready for football. These are guys that are doing stuff every single day. They're just not running plays. <laughs> so I think it's a little bit different in that regard, uh, but still a little bit funny that the Mountain West is going to give the Air Force Academy a pass. In the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk high school sports. Al Lewis, we hope to have a join us. Uh, that will be coming up it's here in the 5 o'clock hour. It's been confirmed. Al yep. Lewis has reached back to Derek. We'll have him about 5.10, give or take, uh, after the first hour, or excuse me, during the second hour, and we'll get you ready for high school Friday night football action. So good to say the word football and action in the same day. It's all coming up on the Full Court Press. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric France and Abdi South here on the Full Court Press. Thanks for joining us as we get you ready for the second hour. All high school football talk. Can't wait to get through it. Ridgeline kicks it all off at 6 o'clock on neutral site against Pineview. Where are they playing at? It's going to be played at Westlake. Okay. And don't forget, all your recap for high school football can be found on Cash Valley Daily. Great photos, great write-ups. Uh, they do a great job of covering all six schools, so don't forget about that. Uh, really super-duper quickly, um, wanted to run out one thing from Adam Rittenberg. He said that a source had told him that Minnesota, uh, the AD and the head coach, had sat down with all the players. And the majority of the players on the Minnesota Gophers football team said, we are grateful the Big Ten made the right decision. Okay. That alone tells you everything you need to know. Good for them. I know there's a lot of concern among players about their own safety. We'll talk to you in the second hour of high school football coming up.